Hello and welcome to the Victorian Gas Lamp, the podcast shining a warm light on the 19th century and most notably throughout the reign of Her Majesty Queen Victoria. Episode 19 Smile, you're dead. Louis Jacques Mondeguer was born on November 18th, 1787, in northern France. And already we know two things about the man. One, he spoke French. Secondly, he was a Scorpio. As a young man, he was apprenticed to Pierre Provost, the first French panorama painter. Highly talented in his own right, Daguerre became highly sought after for his abilities as a theatrical designer. In the 1820s, along with Charles-Marie Bouton, he created the original theatrical diorama. This was a piece of material that was painted as the same scene in two different states. For example, one side might have been a town in daylight, the second side of the material might have been the same town at night time, and when different lights were used against the diorama, each scene could be shown to the audience. Put simply, this meant that the actors on stage could be quickly placed from one place to the next with a smooth transition. But Daguerre wasn't done with creating yet, and it was in 1839 that what is arguably his greatest invention was shown to the world. Firstly, he exposed a thin silver-plated copper sheet with the vapour from iodine crystals. This created a coating of highly light-sensitive silver iodide on the surface, and this sensitivity meant that unlike other processes available at the time, the silver iodide needed a much shorter time to be exposed to light. This was then treated chemically and Daguerre created visible images. Elated, he said, I have seized the light, I have arrested its flight. For Daguerre had created modern photography. Admittedly, at the time, the first photos needed about 10 minutes of exposure time. Landscapes were rare because you couldn't keep everything still. Early photos of Paris made the streets look empty because the people were moving so fast that they weren't in the shot long enough to appear on the photo. Later developments in chemicals and lenses then shortened the exposure time to just seconds. These photographs created by this amazing process became known as daguerreotypes. But this podcast isn't about the history of photography. This is a podcast about a certain type of daguerreotype photography. These photos became known as Memento Mori. They were photographs of the recently dead. Translated from the Latin, memento mori means, remember you must die. 
to me that does kind of sound like something from Game of Thrones. The legendary phrase from the books and rather successful TV show was of course Vala Magulis, which meant all men must die. But I digress. Memento Mori have existed for centuries. In their various forms, they are meant to remind us that we will die and that we should always keep this in mind in how we behave. I know a lot of us out there have seen the film Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Remember the old emperor at the beginning that is killed by his son? Well, that never really happened, but the emperor in the scene, played by Richard Harris, was named for a real emperor, Marcus Aurelius. A brilliant man, the emperor I mean, I don't really know about Richard, Marcus Aurelius published literary works such as his Meditations that are required reading for philosophy students to this day. Trust me, I read them at uni, and they are brilliant by the way, and showing his trademark intelligence, Marcus wrote that, quote, you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think, end quote. This wasn't about going crazy because you never know when you might die. This was about living virtuously throughout your life because you never know when it will end and you will have no opportunity to resolve your regrets. Moving forward from the ancient Roman Empire, throughout history, cultures have created these reminders of death. From the dance macabre paintings of the Middle Ages that have a dancing depiction of the Grim Reaper carrying people away, to people in the 16th and 17th centuries wearing rings with skull imagery, all these artistic expressions were reminders that we do die. Mary, Queen of Scots, Elizabeth I's half-sister, reportedly carried a watch carved in the form of a silver skull. Sounds kind of cool in a gothic way, but as the daughter of Henry VIII, that was probably a woman that needed no reminding that people can die at any time. In some cases, a lock of hair would be kept, to be worn in a locket or set into a ring in some way. Death masks might have been made of the person after they had died and put on display in the family home. The only one I know I've seen that was real was from the 1600s with Oliver Cromwell's death mask being on display at Warwick Castle in the UK. I took a photo of that because that's how I roll and I'll put that actually on the Instagram account for you to see. But humans have a habit of changing their behaviour as technology changes. These days we think nothing of texting each other rather than calling. But do you remember having to go find a payphone to talk to someone? to let them know the same thing? Well, with the creation of the daguerreotype, humans had found a new way to remind themselves of the fragility of life. They didn't have rings to remind them, they just took photos of their lost loved ones. Having a portrait painted was an expensive proposition. I mean, I think it is today as much as I'd like to have them done, but daguerreotypes made photography so much more a viable option. They were fast to do and they cost so much less. Death was far more common in the lives of Victorians. And something else to remember too was that many deaths occurred at home. If you have listened to previous podcasts, you know that hospitals were probably the last place you wanted to be if you were actually sick. 
And even though getting a daguerreotype was possible, it wasn't like people went and got them every day. It was still a luxury item. And in the cases of having children around, well, you didn't just rush out and get the annual photo for the Christmas card. The high mortality rates of children meant that in some cases, children would have died long before there was ever the opportunity to have a photo taken. Sadly, the only opportunity for the bereaved parents and family to get a reminder of their lost child would be after they had died. It may seem dark and morbid now, but photos would be taken of the deceased child, often with their siblings in the photo, or parents holding the body. If you had a choice between one sad photo to remember your child by, or none, what would you choose? In some photos, the deceased would actually seem to be more clear and well-defined than the people around them. Sadly, the reason for this is as obvious as it is tragic. With the slow exposure times, it was important to not move while the photo was being taken. You can certainly search out these types of photos online. Just be aware a lot of them are of people that are actually still alive. Yes, that's right, they're still alive. In one particular example, there's a photograph of a man resting in a large chair. Keeping in with the style of memento mori of the time, he was apparently posed with his head resting on his hand so that it didn't flop about. This photo appears on many sites as an example of the photographic style. However, the man in the photograph was actually still alive and just taken while he was relaxing in a deliberately relaxed pose. How do we know? Well, because at the time that the photo was taken, the man in the photograph was definitely still alive. He was famous after all. It was actually Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I've got this photo actually already on the Instagram. I'll post it up again for you to have a oh, amused smirk at. At least there's something slightly cheerful in this episode. In some photos, you can also see children standing there, seemingly propped up by little odd braces and stands holding arms in place or behind their necks. This seems kind of weird and possibly a giveaway that the child was sadly deceased. However, these props were actually used on children for photos to stop them moving during the long exposure times needed in the early days. The complete opposite of what you might have thought. So, if you see those types of photos, don't stress, the kids were fine. I know this all seems very dark to us today, but we do need to remember that these photos were being taken during a time when there were so many ways for people to die, especially children. Measles, diphtheria, rubella, and scarlet fever were all fatal. And this was a time before you had the benefit of having vaccines available. These illnesses were a very real threat. They were as common as getting a cold. People lived in very close quarters in overpopulated areas with less than sanitary conditions and had no idea just how contagious these diseases could be. And if you were contagious and around people without immunity, the chance of catching it was something like 90%. Today, barring tragic circumstances, we expect someone to live a full life until at least probably their 80s. 
But if you've listened to my Pan Am episode on bread, you'll know, for example, that the average life expectancy of a baker, that's the man that makes bread, was just 42. That was pretty much standard. Even as late as 1900 in the UK, the life expectancy for men was just 51 and 55 for women. Evidence collated by Professor Michael Anderson shows that during the century from 1770 through the 1800s, you had a 12% chance of having lost both parents by the time you were 25. Yes, 25. And infant mortality peaked in the 1890s at 150 babes per 1,000 births dying. Fortunately, by comparison, as of 2019, that figure is now 4 in 1,000. So it could be argued, do you really need mementos of deaths given that it would have occurred with some regularity around you throughout your life? I'd find that point one I could agree with. After all, how many reminders of a loss do I need? For example, I might have had photos of someone I have lost, just like I do today. Those photos would serve as a reminder of the person and also reminding me that they were no longer alive. We have a greater sensitivity to death these days. I guess it comes from people having longer lives in general. But it's also that we live in a safer environment. While workplace accidents do sadly still occur, the commonality of such fatalities in the Victorian era was horrendous. Children died while working in large industrial machines and adults were injured and killed on a daily basis. Governmental financial supports did exist, but there were far too many times when, if you had no money coming in, you literally starved to death. And so did your family. In those times, you would have been far more accustomed to seeing a departed loved one, or someone who was close to death, or permanently injured in some horrific way that surgery was incapable of fixing. So we need to understand that the idea of having a photo of someone that was already dead seemed less macabre than what we think of today. I'll post a few up on the Instagram account at Victorian Gaslamp, uh, but taking into consideration sensitivities, including my own, I'm not actually going to put photos of children on there. I just couldn't do that. Sorry. So fortunately, with the advent of vaccines, better living conditions and a far better understanding of hygiene, our rates of dying by easily preventable causes have dropped dramatically. And all this talk of vaccines is kind of ironic. I actually wrote this episode back in 2019, long before we got told there was a virus in Wuhan. There you go. And with this decline, fortunately in illness, came the decline in post-mortem photography. Improvements in photographic techniques and equipment also made it easier and cheaper for photographs and this too meant that photographs were taken more often and more importantly, earlier. So it's been a bit of a dark topic this week, but I guess a bit of a morbidly fascinating one. The photos are still available to see online. Don't forget they can be upsetting for some people to see. But also remember that those having the photos taken were trying to hold on to someone that had been taken far too soon, be they adults or children. I guess it shows how far our lifestyles have come that we don't need to take photos like that anymore. That's a very good thing. So here endeth the episode. My website is victoriangaslamp.com. You can email me at victoriangaslamp at gmail.com with any suggestions you might have for future episodes. 
Happy to look into whatever might interest you as well. You are the ones listening on Twitter at VicGasLamp and my Instagram account is VictorianGasLamp. Post there probably a couple of times a week and I do it as a bit of an extra aside to the podcast itself. Speaking of which, the next episode will be out in two weeks. So keep a lookout for that and I'll see you next time under the gas lamp.